I developed a problem involving my bum and involving sort of like a thing that protrudes from your bum. Sometimes if you've had children, people might know what I'm talking about. So it's an H and I the boy. So I, I, you know, again, Josie and I were getting to know each other. And so I called her up one day and I was just like, shit, like I, I am so uncomfortable. I have these horrible hemorrhoids. And she just went silent on the phone. And I thought, oh God, I've gone too far with our friendship. I've turned her off. And then all of a sudden it, she just started blathering. She's like, how did you know? Did, did, like you were, you were like panic. I was in, I was in panic mode because for like a few months I had been dealing with hemorrhoids and finally I had surgery. And then I told everyone I knew that I had surgery for something that was completely different. So I told everybody that I had my thyroid out and then the lie just got really out of hand. <laughs> the only people that knew were my family and Joel, my husband. So I honestly thought he brought Cynthia into the lie because he was like, trying to get me to talk to somebody else about this experience. This is it, actually. Take a sip and grab a seat, because this is it. Hello, hello. Happy Thursday. It's actually Wednesday for me recording this, and it is pouring rain. I don't know if you can hear it, but I've decided to just go for it. It's rained and hailed, no snow lots of wind. There's been thunder showers and lightning. The sun came out for a blip. It has been the weirdest day. So it just feels right to be recording an episode. (laughs) We are five episodes into season four, and I hope that you're loving the conversations and the stories so far. I was out with some friends a few weeks ago. We were going to trivia night at a local and they decided to meet up early to eat delicious pub food and have drinks. I showed up after that part because I was on a seven-day cleanse. (laughs) So, you know, fried food and alcohol, not really on the menu. When I arrived and explained why I chose the later time, they asked me what I was doing the cleanse for. I shrugged and said, I'm not a great pooper. (laughs) I thought they might laugh or recoil or secretly think it was way TMI, but they all kind of nodded in solidarity and a couple said, yeah, I get that. Well, that less than desirable opener led us to talking about our bodies and the crazy things they do and some embarrassing and mostly unmentionable stories. I told them about the time I was wearing a cute little gray t-shirt mini dress and I bled out all over the chair and down my legs. And when I stood up, the blood had spread across the material because, you know, it was kind of porous and so it just expanded And well, let's just say it looked like a crime scene below my waist. And guess what? I wasn't the only one at that table that that kind of thing had happened to. Embarrassing things happen in life. We try things and they don't always pan out. Sometimes life happens to us. I mean, unmentionables are all around. In relationships, at work, parenting, family stuff, just existing out in the world. Josie Dye is the best radio host, in my humble opinion anyway, and Cynthia Loist is a TV host on The Social, and she's just so good. Cynthia is also a sex expert, and she has a book and a blog called Find Your Pleasure, which I happen to write for, and I've known both of these wonderful women for a long time, actually. I used to produce a show called Oso Cosmo for Cosmo TV, and Josie was the host of that show. I came onto the show replacing the producer that had been there for a while, and I did a bit of a turnover on the team, stacking it with people that I knew and loved, 
But in that process, I was completely clueless that maybe everyone really liked the team the way it already was, and my arrival might have been deemed a bit pushy and unwanted. It's kind of embarrassing to think about now. I mean, I wasn't aggressive, but I came in very excited, and sometimes excitement can translate to annoyance. (laughs) They ended up embracing me. It was all my own shit, and we had a great few years making that show. Josie tells a pretty funny story about something that I said to her in New York. Could have been unmentionable, but for the sake of transparency, I decided to leave it in. (laughs) And what's funny is Cynthia was actually on Oso Cosmo. We shot a fun segment together. I think it was about nightstands or sexy nightstands or something like that. But I don't think that she and Josie even met at that time. We had three hosts on the show and Josie wasn't the host of that particular segment. So I also asked them about that. Cynthia and Josie have a podcast called Cynthia and Josie's Unmentionables. And in a very short time, they just launched this year, they have surpassed 50,000 downloads. (laughs) And I'm sure by the time this episode airs, it will be way beyond that. And honestly, it's so good. You just need to listen to it. And yeah, it's funny because hello, funny stories. And they are obviously so good at what they do. But it's also more than that. It gives us permission and actually encourages us to lean into the ridiculous and the uncomfortable and the embarrassing and the unmentionable. I'm Jenny B, and this is Unmentionables with Cynthia Loist and Josie Dye, actually. Hello. Oh, you're together. Is that bad? No, it's amazing. I did not expect to see both your faces in the same screen. Hi. That's very exciting. My camera is not working, so you're not going to see my face. I'm so sorry. Aww. It's nice to hear your voice. Oh, my God. I'm really appreciative that you guys are doing this. Thank you. It's blowing up. How fun is this that you're doing this? So it's been great. Really great. We're, yeah. yeah. We feel, I think, very honored. That's amazing, honestly. I mean, so when I was thinking about it, the three of us, we all have history, of course. We separately and together. I worked with both of you. On Cosmo TV, Josie was the host, Cynthia was a guest, but I don't think you guys actually worked together. Yes, yes, no. I was a guest. I was the one with, what's the guy who was on your show? Wilder. Wilder. What? They didn't talk to it was it was a segment, it was a pre-taped segment where it was like, what's in your nightstand? And so we talked about sex toys and lube and I don't even know what else. I had no idea. That is so funny. Yeah, so I was thinking about that and I was trying to remember the segment and you've just reminded me. I knew it was with Wilder. I couldn't remember what it was and I was like, I don't think they actually shot together. So how did you guys meet? Was it through your kids? Do you live on the same street? Tell me everything. (laughs) Well, I guess we met the first time through uh, the social because I came on the social the very first time. I was super nervous. You were super nice. So I felt like, yeah, Cynthia was great. And then I was walking down the street and her you were walking with your boss. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew Cynthia's boss and so did my husband. So we stopped to talk to her and you were there. Yeah. So that was kind of like a hi. Yeah. It was very and I, actually, I didn't totally recognize Josie until after she walked away because she was said, I'd always know, I knew Josie from listening to her on the radio for mm-hmm. years, even before she was on the social, right. but she was always blonde in my mind. Mm-hmm. And during that phase of things, when I saw her on the street, she was a brunette. So I didn't even know who she right. was. So, right. and then, um, years later, I guess, cause you know, we, I'd been on the social a few times years later, a, I was starting a pot in my basement for, um, COVID because Cole's immune compromised. And I wanted to have four other kids in the basement as well, so that he could also work on his social skills since he had zero of them. And a mutual friend of ours is like, Cynthia Lois might want to do the same thing. 
So then you called me and then we talked Yeah, and then we became friends. Yeah. Isn't that unbelievable how years later, I mean, and then to find out that you didn't even know that she was actually on the show that you posted, but then you were on her show. Like, there are all kinds of secrets I'm keeping from you, Josie. I I feel like Stromble right now. Like I'm giving details that people didn't know. I know. Look at you, journalist. (laughs) Your podcast is called Unmentionables. Tell me why you decided to make it, but also what is your definition of unmentionables in the spirit of this podcast? We started to really get to know each other while we were hitting this pod, because basically also, as we all remember, the world was completely shut down. So not only were we creating this little environment for our kids, but the parents started to really bond. And in particular, Josie and I would have like a glass of wine and hang out and talk. And we found ourselves repeatedly sharing stories about our lives, often related to sex and often saying things like, well, but I can never say this on TV or I can never say this on the radio or I can never tell my friends about this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they range from embarrassing stories to a story that happened with an ex-boyfriend to parenting tales. And we thought eventually we were like, I think there's something here. So it actually started as a video series. We have a YouTube series and it started there mm-hmm. with my partner, Jason, as the director of photography. He shot a bunch of stuff in Joel, her husband's office. office. So they started as these videos and then eventually we were like, maybe we should make this a podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to answer the question of why we called it Unmentionables? I mean, well, first of all, we call it Cynthia and Josie's Unmentionables because if you if you go onto the podcast, wherever, whatever, wherever you get your podcast and you just put Unmentionables in, our podcast will not come up. <laughs> There's another one called that. So it's Cynthia and Josie's Unmentionables. But I mean, we had a lot of problems with the name. I think that yeah, was our, our biggest problem with this entire project. We spent... I'd say a good two years trying to figure out what the perfect name was. People were like, you have to use your names. And then unmentionable seems like it's just all about underwear. And, but we both loved it. And so we just stuck with it and we're like, fuck it. I don't know if we can say fuck it on your podcast, but fuck it, we're going to use it. And I'm pretty happy about it now. I I feel like we've actually had a lot of positive response. People get it. It's clear what the concept is. And I think in a sea where like, there's so many podcasts out there, I think it's important for people to know immediately what it's about. I think it's pretty clear what ours is about. Yeah. What's beautiful about it, I think, is that it's a bit of an umbrella term because it can cover so many things. Because, you know, when I was thinking of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about today, obviously, yes, the scandally kind of unmentionables, the things that you said you don't want to talk about necessarily on TV, but then also, yes, parenting and all of those things that all falls under the umbrella of mm-hmm. unmentionable. So I think it is perfectly suited. You tell, obviously, some amazing stories. I mean, I would assume that some of it is liberating to kind of get it off your chest, I would hope. Like, you know, when we always say we don't want to talk about these things, but then we do, we're like, oh, you had that experience too, or something similar. So then I don't feel like I'm a complete and total freak, I guess, for lack of a better word. (laughs) But what would be the most excellent top level story of all the stories, just to give a taste of the podcast? Like, what would you choose if you had to tell me a story, a snippet of a story? It's the first story. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The first one. It's the first one, even though, again, we've been recording this show for a while. The first one we recorded right before we launched. And um, it really is the story that brought us both together. And I don't know how much to tease because we want listeners to, to, to listen to the full story. But basically, I developed a problem involving my bum. 
<laughs> and involving sort of like a thing that protrudes from your bum. Sometimes if you've had children, people might know what I'm talking about. So it's an H. And I think the you boy. can say it. Yeah, <laughs> you can say and, it. Uh, so I, I, you know, again, Josie and I were getting to know each other. And so I called her up one day and I was just like, shit, like I, I am so uncomfortable. I have these horrible hemorrhoids. And she just went silent on the phone. And I thought, oh, God, I've gone too far with our friendship. I've turned her off. And then all of a sudden, it, she just started blathering. She's like, how did you know? Did, did you, like, you were, you were like panic stricken. I, I was in panic mode because for like a few months, I had been dealing with hemorrhoids. And finally, I had surgery. And then I told everyone I knew that I had surgery for something that was completely different. Because I was like, what can I say that is not severe enough that people will believe me, but not like be I worry about you. you. Didn't want people to worry yeah, about you. Worry about me, but I also didn't want them to think that I had knee surgery because then I'd go for a run the next day. Like right. it had to be something that was. <laughs> so I told everybody that I had my thyroid out because when I did have coal, I had thyroid issues, and we, my whole family, has had thyroid issues. And there was enough information online to know that it cannot be severe, right? Yeah. But then people were like, do you have cancer? I'm like, no, I don't have And then the lie just got really out of hand. <laughs> and so uh, the only people that knew were my family and Joel, my husband. So I honestly thought he brought Cynthia into the lie because he was like trying to get me to talk to somebody else about this experience. So our first podcast is all about that. It's about talking to my work, about this surgery, about them asking to see my scar. It's just about just so All many things. But I mean, I think ultimately, Jenny, it's like going back to what you said, like it's about the idea that when you start to share stories of things that you find embarrassing or cringeworthy, chances are this person you're talking to can totally relate. Like it just, it felt like I think liberating was the word for us to talk about it and share it. I mean, close girlfriends know that this is true. And even if, I think Jan Arden said it perfect when we spoke to her about this podcast, that like, even if you can't relate, you're going to have a lot of fun being a voyeur to someone else's. And I mean, I will say also for any of our younger listeners, I think it's like, just be, just wait, just you wait. You may not relate to it now, but just you, you wait. wait. It's coming for you. <laughs> yep. That's the old lady in us. So I try yep. so hard not to like get on that with you know, 20 somethings or even my, you know, my daughters are teenagers now. So teenagers are come over. I try so hard not to be that person but in my mind I'm like oh you have no idea lady <laughs> one day you will <laughs> yeah I think it's amazing and also it's a lesson in not maybe not lying because you're right it gets deeper and deeper so just we're so scared to say the truth sometimes <laughs> that would be an upcoming podcast is an upcoming podcast about me and some of my better lies but yes <laughs> yes it's hard it's hard it's, and yeah. sometimes you just don't want to overshare right it's like TMI you don't want to overshare but this That's podcast allows us to do that and then at least do it in a way where I still feel like it's private. Do you know what I mean? Even though it's not. No. I still feel like if you really want to know, listen to the podcast. Mm. If not. <laughs> People need to listen to the podcast. It's so good. Are you willing like uncomfortable things to happen now just because it's like, oh, this is going to be a great story. Or I guess, are you becoming more comfortable with the uncomfortable as you do this? Maybe I've always been a little bit more comfortable with uncomfortable topics. I feel like I was already talking about sex a lot more in in a public way. You didn't necessarily go there. Well, we're very different. Like you are more clinical when it comes to, because your background and your Mm -hmm. education, whereas I'm more probably R-rated, but not as clinical. But I think during this podcast, we started off, Cynthia and I started off probably way more risky and we pulled back a bit. Yeah, that's true. Actually, we have. (laughs) Yeah, listen to ourselves. And and I think there are a, a number of podcasts right now out there with women who 
and they're getting a lot of attention and I'm, this is certainly not to throw shade, but they're, they're almost a kind of feminism that is about trying to match guy talk when the way that guys traditionally mm-hmm. have talked about like locker sex. room conversations yeah. that it's not natural for us to be like that anyway. Yeah. Right. So I think we're trying to do some kind of a balance. It feels authentic to us and authentic to the way that <clears throat> you would speak with your girlfriend yeah. behind closed doors without getting into a territory that feels maybe a little bit tawdry is the word. And maybe that's a dated word. Maybe this does reflect our age that maybe like, there's a, there's a line that we just feel like we're still, but we have to be authentic, yeah. right? And we have to be ourselves. And that's, so it's like, we are talking about these topics that are, you know, really risky, but we're doing it in a way that we're speaking the way we would speak with our friends versus trying to use words to shock people. Right. Exactly. It's just, you took the words out of my mouth. That's what I was going to say is that yeah. staying true to yourself because we do speak a certain way. I actually, I always talk about this and I don't know if you feel this is true, but sex in the city really actually gave me, and then working on Cosmo, honestly, gave me a little bit of an allowance to speak more the way that I wanted to around my girlfriends. And then I noticed that the conversation started to open up, but then you're right. There was the odd person that was just saying things for the sake of, oh, I'm going to shock the shit out of you. And that's not what this is. And you can tell that. And I feel like that's a really great place to to be where you guys are. Not that you're asking my opinion, but I just feel like it feels so authentic. And you're right. There, there's a lot of content that's just like, I'm going to say the crazy shocking thing so that you tune in. And, and that doesn't feel like this at all. Right. Good. Yes. That's what we want. <laughs> Good. Perfect. You're doing it. <laughs> says me. So says me. <laughs> I'm going to switch to parenting for a second because, you know, I'm single, you're both married. Um, but I think, you know, both our situations come with their own individual challenges, especially when it comes to kids. What is something or many things that surprised you about parenting that no one talked about before you had kids? <laughs> <laughs> do you want to go or do you want me to go you go first i think that you're not gonna love every moment of it you know what i mean like i think we all go through these phases of, as parents and first of all i love my kids i think every parent if they're a good parent they love their children but i don't love parenting all the time like i don't love all of it i don't like the the nine to five of it and it would be amazing if i could hire someone full-time for them to do the crappy work and i was just there for the good part but sure. obviously you know it it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say, and this might be obvious to to people, but it wasn't obvious to me that the conversation around sex education, I'd always said this because I'm a sex educator and it's like, I, I was like, oh, the conversation with your children will be ongoing. And that is true. And that is definitely proven true, but it's like unexpected. It's like that you do, you're never prepared for the moment when your kid turns around and is like, what's a tampon? And, or, you know, what's a, like, what what was it yesterday or two days ago? He was like, yeah, I don't even know if I can say it. I I don't even know if I can say what he said. This might be too This might be too crass. He said to me, mom, why do people suck penises, basically? Because he had heard, heard someone it. say that in the schoolyard, like, go suck your, you know what I mean? And he's like, suck. and I was like, oh my God, go to bed. <laughs> I will <laughs> deal with this tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Right. That's that. I think those are the, what would you say, Jenny? Yeah. What's the most un- unmentionable thing when it comes to parenting for you? You got teenagers. Well, you're a hundred percent right that no one really prepares you. I'm now the big preparer to people. Like I have, you know, younger women in my life, people that I work with in the industry, we're all around young people. And when they tell me they want to have kids, you should see my face. I mean, you can't see it now, but it's a face. And then I feel bad because I think 
you don't know what you're getting into and that's fair because none of us did. But I would say that for me, I wasn't expecting, and this speaks to a little bit of what you already said, but I wasn't expecting, yes, it to carry on and for this phase to be so hard because I thought they're walking, talking humans that I can have a conversation with. They know the answer to that question, Josie, like they didn't know that, you know, years ago, I don't have to talk about that stuff necessarily anymore, but it is so hard because it is fully emotional parenting. Your own PTSD comes up from the mean girls that were in school with you. I can't help with homework, whatever it is. I have an, you know, they have an absent father. So that's a whole other layer. So I think how exhausted I am by the emotion of it is no one told me that that's all people said to me was, Oh my God, you're going to be the coolest mom. And you're going to be so great with your teenagers. And, and that might be somewhat true, but it is way harder than I ever thought it was going to be at this stage. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Everything's well, so that's tricky, right? Like, it's going to get harder. It's the problem. Like it's never, I can't wait for my kid to turn this age or this age. Because there right. are all these issues, I mm-hmm. think. It's like, I just wanted to be out of the baby phase because my baby phase is hell. I think, you yeah. know, the journey was hell. But then then it comes with its own set. Like when they get, oh, now it's like, are they going to be bullied at school? Are they not? Are they going to, you know? Yeah, it's, it's never ending. And I also feel like sometimes we lose ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the hardest part is I'm constantly thinking like, what have I done for me this week? What have I done for myself? You know, like you and I had drinks on Saturday night. Yeah. I got so drunk so quickly. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. Like you got to pack in. You got to get in. in. And then I went to bed and my kids put themselves to bed for the first time ever. And I felt so guilty in the morning. And then I thought, why do I feel guilty? They were able to come up to bed. Like, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You know? The guilt is a whole other level. Like we, you know, that's, mm-hmm. you can't even go there because it's such a bigger conversation and that continues on for sure. But I think you're right. It's, I always used to say to people, it's phases and stages, the bad ones end, but so do the good ones, by the way, <laughs> like don't get too comfortable in a really good moment because something else will come up. And I think this is you, you talk to your kids, you have conversation, maybe in the moment, it's like, I'll get back to you on that particular topic that you've just, you know, lambasted me with. But I really believe for me personally, that the open conversation is what is saving us, you know, currently, but that could also change. They may not want to talk to me in a Two months from now. I don't know. <laughs> that you have that. I'm more like, go to bed and we'll talk another day. <laughs> yeah. Oh, listen, I've definitely put them off. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm like, mm, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. How do you handle embarrassing or unmentionable or, you know, ridiculous situations now versus when you were younger? I mean, I don't know that in the moment I'm going to be any better than I was then. I think it's natural and normal to feel mortified when we screw up. Mm-hmm. I hope I have the wisdom now to know that every embarrassing story with time and distance ends up being either a learning moment or something really fucking funny. Mm-hmm. And I think to have the grace to sort of not take yourself so seriously. And I have to remind myself of this because it's hard sometimes, mm-hmm. depending on the like the nature of it. But I mean, having been in the public eye for a while, I've made so many gaffes and I've learned to tell the tale. I think that's it. Just remembering that it's a story. Mm-hmm. Just You might need some distance with it. And I want to I want to relay that to my son, too, because yes. that's one of the things that I've noticed with kids is that we see them. We love them and we love them for all their ridiculousness. And when they have something go wrong and they feel mortified, we are sitting there going, this is nothing. Mm-hmm. So to try to communicate that, like I'm, I'm always emphasizing with my son that we like weird and we like embarrassing. There's something really great about funny 
And so trying to instill that in him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were there for my O Canada. <laughs> I feel like you've been through the worst with me, Jenny. <laughs> for anyone Your listening, fault. you should tell them. It's it her fault. It was Jenny's fault. It's my fault. Oh, I know. Fault. I'm so sorry. But Your what fault. a moment. What a moment. You went viral. But you know what? I love it now. Like sure. now, who cares? You know what I mean? Like now yes. it's just part of, of my uh, experiences that, you know, build that book eventually. Like it's great. But at the time, oh yeah, it was mortifying. Like I was yes. mortified at the entire situation. So, I mean, after you go through something like that, I think you just realize that, yeah, you should enjoy everything that comes, all your embarrassing, small or big-ish problems. <laughs> I mean, that's time because Cynthia, you're right. I find myself sometimes, I catch myself if they tell me that something is embarrassing and I don't think it is, I have to be careful that I'm not putting my own stuff on them. Mm-hmm. You know, my youngest... And my oldest doesn't give a shit about being embarrassed. Like it's unbelievable. I don't even know who she came from, but my youngest daughter really cares. So I'm trying to balance both of these things. And even Lola will say to Izzy, like, why do you care about that? But I'm like, she just does. We just have to respect and give her that space to care. You might not understand it, but that's what it is for her. What would be your best tip for people to lean into those moments? I mean, it is a great story. I always say that too. You know, you never know the story you're going to get this. That's hard as a kid to to see that, right? Yeah, and everything passes, right? Like you, it's it's time. It's like we're all human beings. Like we're we're all on this earth to make mistakes. Can you imagine how boring our lives would be if they were just perfect all the time? Yes. Like that's what makes us us. That's probably why we've had such a good friendship mm-hmm. is because. We are messy. Yes. We are. That was our whole thing is that Cynthia and I are messy people. Mm-hmm. Like you look at Cynthia on the social and you look at this beautiful girl who looks so put together by a stylist. Then you look at her on a Saturday afternoon and she smells and she's All like, true. her house is falling apart in a wonderful, goodness. Way, in a wonderful <laughs> way. Like in a, a way, in a way that that's the only way I would be friends with her mm. because her house is falling apart. Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah. mean? Yes. So it's like, we have this idea of like what the perfect thing is and how to act and how to behave. And yet really in reality, I think all of us have these messy lives that we don't talk about now. I also think with daughters, it, I mean, and this may be true for sons, I don't mean to gender this in any way, but I think there's an extra pressure of this idea of perfection. And we see this with the filters that they're yes. putting on automatically. Mm-hmm. And I think that really messes with their heads too. So I think it's all the more important for women like us to show the messy side of things that like, I do not have a Pinterest worthy home. My nightstand is a bloody disaster mm-hmm. of like memories and things that I probably should have thrown out a long time ago. Like, I think mess is important to show. I also think this goes back to like sexual empowerment. I think to the way in which we were raised with something as like menstruation, women of our generation were taught like, this is shameful. This is hidden. What could be more mortifying than like bleeding on an outfit and having the school talk about you. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying we can eradicate that completely, but I think this next generation seems to have a little bit more awareness of, Oh, there are industries that have preyed upon you to profit off your insecurity. And they've, you know, often created products that are really bad for your body. And the religious right has also wanted to suppress this information in order for you to not feel as in control of your body. Like, so the more they have that information as counterbalance to, like, it's very profitable for you to feel embarrassed by your body hair, by your body odor, by your bleeding vagina. Mm-hmm. Like all these things have been part of the capitalist machine. So I do think even though the next generation 
is inundated with perfectionism, they're also, there's a real activist spirit underneath there. So mm-hmm. I lean into that as well. And they're going to get bored of these filters. This uh, I hope so. Like my niece who's 16, just like your, your daughters, mm-hmm. like I feel like they're now, they will call me out. If I have a filter like on my phone, they will call me out. Yes. I'm so proud of them for that because yeah, it's, I, it's funny how perfect we all pretend to be, yet we're not. I know. And I think they are getting over it. I think you're totally right, which is such a blessing. I just want to ask Josie quickly. No, that's fine. Sorry, Jenny. No, it's fine. Go get the chips. Go get the chips. You can have them. No, you won't. Just take a little bowl. You got this, bud. Sorry. No, I love it. <laughs> Mine just left. So I was like, she was slamming the door and I was like, you know, I'm recording. It's fine. <laughs> um, I do want to ask how Joel's penis is, if that's okay yes. to ask. <laughs> yeah, it's doing well. Right. Oh my God. So if you don't know, yes, my husband broke his penis. He broke it and I wasn't around during that time. So I cannot say I'm the person who broke his penis, sure. um, but yes, he broke it and uh, he's doing well. I think it's almost there. I think we're like, maybe going to figure it out this weekend. Maybe. <laughs> Please so report excited. back. I saw him at the Junos and I did not bring it up, Josie. He you came and should. hugged me and I was so close and I thought, no, I'll ask Josie. You would have loved it. You know, Joel, he'd be like, yeah, broke it. I'm fine with it. Oh my God. I hadn't seen him in years and I thought, is this my opening line to Joel? Maybe it could have been. He might have appreciated it. You know what's so funny? Can I, I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell this story about you, Jenny. I don't know. Go ahead. Jenny was my boss, right? Yes. But I had a different boss before and she mm-hmm. left and Jenny came in. And then we had to go to New York together. And that was probably shortly after we started working together. But what at the beginning when we were working, I was doing Cosmo and I was working on the edge. So I was working like ridiculous days. Like these days were probably 12 hours of yeah. just working. And when we went to New York, Joel came with us. <laughs> and it was like halfway through the New York trip. Jenny said, I don't know if you had had too much to drink or what. And you said, I like you now. <laughs> and I was like, lovely. I know you, and now I know you with Joel, and I like you, but I wasn't sure before then. <laughs> oh, my God. But it just goes to show, like, I probably did not show you my best me, because I was so busy and so working, but how sometimes it's nice to also have a partner to, like, like Cynthia does with me, like, to bring right. side, like, the normal side of you, you know what I mean? I sometimes use my kids for that, honestly, if someone meets my kids, or even vice versa, if they meet me you know, after they've met, you know, let's say Izzy, who's maybe a little bit more shy, they're like, oh, okay, I get the dynamic now. Like you might have to see. And I apologize profusely. I did. No, like- no, no, no. <laughs> I didn't mean to tell that story in a bad way. I love it. it. No. Enduring. Like the way you said it was very sweet. You were not a mean girl. Like you were a- amazing to me always, but I was probably just so busy in my life where I was like caught up, caught up, caught up. And then sometimes it's really nice to have, to sit back. We were in New York, we were like having drinks yes. and then Joel, who's like the penis breaker, was there and he would break. Like you call yourself awkward at first. I am. Yeah. And then and then maybe but you would have felt relaxed suddenly when Joel mm-hmm. was there and suddenly your real sex comes out. Absolutely. Because Joel, yeah, he calms me down because I know he's the one who can do the social, you know, exchanges. Right. I'm not good with any of this. So. <laughs> and we'd had a couple of drinks. And to be fair to you know, to you, of course, I was coming in with a big insecurity because I was following in the footsteps of this person who didn't have the job anymore. And for all I knew that, you know, you guys obviously loved her and she had done a wonderful job up until that point. So I think it was my own shit. Like I was coming in going, Oh God, they're not going to like me. I have to live up to this person. So I think it was a bunch of things, but you know, a drink on a Saturday night in New York. (laughs) 
having a great time. And then, like, life was just amazing after that. It really was. You know what's nice about that, though, is also, and that's kind of like an unmentionable, is like, like to have a relationship with a woman and sometimes, and especially when it's like a, a boss employee and to be able to like, just take all that shit off and be like, I like you. And we were wonderful together. Like we yes. had a really good relationship and uh, that's hard sometimes, yeah, you know, as like a boss and an employee, yes. it's really hard. So lots of credit to you coming in, to, like, you know, where we all had this love for the other person who worked there first. Right. And it was so fun. It was one of my favorite jobs ever. I got pulled aside in the beginning, I'm going to say a few weeks in, and I was told that I should stop being so friendly and that it's not a good mix to become friends if you're going to. And I just, I, I was so scared, right? When you get told that it was one of my first sort of supervising producer jobs, like overseeing a full show. And something in me, I don't know, it must have been my dad that rose in me because he used to speak his mind. I just said, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So it was a moment where I was like, I'm choosing, not choosing to be here. Obviously I had the job, but I'm choosing to be this way in this job. And for me, that was the moment forward where I was just like, I just really like everybody. And it's really fucking fun to come into work every day. So why can't that be okay? You know what I mean? I feel like that's a good work environment. We, yes. I'm so glad we had you yeah. because without you, yeah, that we all have, like, we all loved each other. Like the actual group of people, like the hosts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, management can come in and fuck that all up. So yeah. I'm glad that you were there. That was really wonderful. It was such a fun job. Okay. My last thing, and I think you kind of already mentioned this, but maybe you can just give me a little summary. Why is it important for us to talk about the unmentionable and embarrassing things in our lives? I think when, when people, when women in particular feel ashamed of parts of themselves, people can profit and capitalize on that and make people feel worse about themselves. And I think the more that we feel unabashed, unashamed and know that part of being human is being messy, is being embarrassing, is having like, you know, squicky things, Mm -hmm. if bodily fluids, like these are all normal things. And the amount of times I've had conversations, not just with Josie, but in my life, as I'm sure you have Jenny, where you're just like, Oh my gosh, but I I can't say this, or I can't ask this question or I can't whatever that as soon as you start saying that, that means that like, Somebody in your life or society at large has told you that you don't deserve this knowledge. And we know knowledge is power. And so again, I just feel so passionate. It's a hill I will die on that the more knowledge that we have, especially for young women, the better we're going to do. Yeah. And I think it also takes away so much insecurity. Mm -hmm. You know, like I've always, even just in my field alone, I look up to so many women who are out there who you know, whether they're on television or in, or in radio and I'm like, Oh, I wish I could be like them. They look so perfect, but like, it wouldn't it be great if you can, you know, just strip all that away and realize that they are human. And that's what Cynthia and I are trying to do. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's needed. Well, it is needed and you're doing it. And I just adore you both so much. And I'm so thrilled that I've got to work with you and even in small ways over the years. And I'd love to have a drink sometime. Can I come join the girl yes, gang in the yes. East End? Okay. Yes, love that. Get out of that West End. What are you doing over there? Right? I make treks to the East End. I'm not precious. I will come anytime you say. So I'll meet you after school. I'll pick up your kids with you. Perfect. <laughs> love it. Yes. Unmentionable party. Yeah. I would love that. Thank okay. you so much come for on. doing this. I appreciate you both so much and giving me your time. I know that it's not always easy to find time of the day, but... Uh, and congratulations on the podcast. It's so awesome. And I think people will just keep finding it and loving it. And I'm going to promote the heck out of it, if that means anything. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Jenny. It's Thanks, always a Jenny. pleasure. You're amazing. We love you. Love thank you, too. You. 
Thank you to my dear friends, Josie and Cynthia. You can hear Josie in the morning on Indy 88 and Cynthia can be seen weekdays on the social. Their podcast is called Cynthia and Josie's Unmentionables and it is blowing up with good reason. So definitely subscribe and listen. It's so, so good. You can follow them on Instagram at Cynthia and Josie. I also want to say, I think it's so liberating to be able to talk about our ridiculousness and our foibles out loud. It also gives permission for other people to do the same. I mean, we're only human, right? Let's share the silly and the stupid stuff more often. And by the way, that's a note to myself as well. You can find me at this is it actually on Instagram. Now go say something nice to someone. This is it actually. Take a sip and grab a seat.